the fantasy football bee. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Beat, the podcast that will never let your team die in darkness. I am Mike Hume. Hi, I'm Des Beeler, and uh, I just had a couple of wisdom teeth taken out yesterday, so not only am I playing hurt, but I have just that much less wisdom to offer. I'm Jeff Dooley, and uh, that shouldn't be much of a difference for Des, although he gets to take a major victory lap this week on his Orleans Darkwa pick, which I'm sure will... Uh, perk him up even even with his uh, wisdom tooth removal situation. You're right. We probably should mention him on this podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Well, we got one or two things to get through before we get to uh, the great Orleans Darkwood debate. If you are an Aaron Rodgers owner, you got some absolutely brutal news this week. Done for the year, broken collarbone. Now you got to replace him. So how do you do that? And that is the subject of our big idea. The big idea. Get him off your team. Drop him now. He could be the surprise of the 2017 season. That guy is a walking ACL tear. Oh, yeah. He's a major sleeper. All right. So the problem with replacing Aaron Rodgers is that he's Aaron Rodgers. He was the top quarterback off the board in a lot of drafts. He was going 24th overall, according to ADP, according to the Fantasy Football Toolbox. That's not a guy you can just plug in a waiver pickup and be fine. You have to swing big. And I say you swing big by trading for Andrew Luck. You heard me. <laughs> we didn't hear you. Yeah, that's, that's a big swing. Uh, you know, there, there's some, there's might be some merit to that. Why don't you uh, give us some of the, the pros and cons, or at least the pros, and maybe, maybe uh, other, others will handle the cons. Oh, oh there are no cons. No, it's, it's all pros. Uh, no, we will get to some of the downside in a little bit. But here, here's my thing. If you own Rodgers, you need to hit a home run, and the – cheapest option with the biggest upside right now, I think, is Andrew Luck. His owner probably has another quarterback that they've been starting, so... You would hope. You would, yeah, you would <laughs> hope, unless they're going for the zero quarterback strategy, yeah. which would be a new one. So, if you have an owner in your league that's had Luck, you might be able to get him a little bit of a discount. You also have the mystery element of you don't know when he's going to get back, so you can probably get him for less than full value. And then once he does come back, he has the potential and the team around him to be a elite fantasy quarterback. And that's what you're going to need to replace Andrew Luck if you have any hope of still winning your fantasy football title. So there's a few cons, as uh, Des alluded to. <laughs> one or two. Uh, one is that we don't know when he's coming back. Yeah, that's, and, that's, a, that's uh, a problem. Right, so that is problematic. I'll allow it. <laughs> and it's uh, our own uh, Adam Kilgore here at the Post actually had a, made the argument this week that the Colts should just shut him down for the rest of the season uh, at 2-4. and four. They shouldn't be uh, risking uh, Luck's long-term health, and sort of there's a, a bit of a uh, case to be made that this is a lost year already for Indianapolis. Uh, we do expect he'll return uh, week eight against Cincinnati has been thrown out as an option. I, it, obviously, the upside is there. I also don't know that in his first games back from a major shoulder uh, surgery and recovery, he's going to be ready to go right away. Um, I, so, again, I understand the merit of it, but there's definitely risk involved. I think the other options, you start talking about streaming sort of on a week-to-week basis, uh, and maybe there's some other trade candidates you can look at uh, as well. The other trade candidates, I think, could be a decent option, assuming people are willing to part with a, 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 a significant quarterback. Because, again, you have to replace Aaron Rodgers' production. We're not talking about replacing Carson Palmer or even Russell Wilson or Cam Newton. We're talking about probably a guy who's going, who's going to finish in the top two at the position and was your third-round pick or second-round pick. 
So that's why I think you need that upside from Andrew Luck to make it worthwhile. Because if you look at the waiver, uh, the waiver wire right now, I mean, you got Eli Manning, Andy Dalton, Tyrod Taylor is probably the best option, and he doesn't have anyone to throw to right now. And he's owned in almost half the leagues out there. So a lot of uh, there's a lot of owners who aren't going to be able to even snap up Tyrod Taylor. The, to me, the the one guy, if he's available in your league. Uh, he's the only quarterback owned in less than 25% of leagues that I'd look at as Jared Goff, who's coming off a couple of rough outings, um, but sort of does have uh, uh, has some upside moving forward. His schedule schedule gets a little bit easier than it was. Um, but I do agree. I think the the trade avenue might be uh, might be one of the few options that you have available to you. Yeah, I mean, I think people who've dropped who lost Aaron Rodgers, obviously it's a huge blow, and they certainly have to look at what's available to them and what their options are. And I think getting creative is always a, you know, it's always a good way to mm-hmm. think about these things. Don't, don't necessarily just look at the waiver wire and go, okay, who's, not, who's out there right. that I can pick up? Like, what can you do? You know, the, there are a couple of issues with luck in terms of just trading for them in the sense that, you know, so, yeah, someone in your league probably did pick up luck, t- probably did draft luck, and has held on to him all this time, you know. So are they really going to want it just when we're seeing signs that he's about to come back or maybe in a week or two, are they really going to want to let him go at that point? So what kind of trade offer would you have to make? And there's no point sort of robbing Peter to pay Paul. You know, you've taken a huge blow at quarterback. If you're stacked in another position, like you have a, a really good wide receiver to spare or a pretty good running back to spare, okay, fine. You know, if you mm-hmm. have depth to spare, that's good. I just wouldn't advise anybody hurt themselves at another position, trade like one of their starting running backs or really even a someone who they have penciled in as one of their better flex players because then you're just hurting another part of your team to make up for one deficiency. The other issue with luck is the, uh, the Colts' schedule, you know, and uh, our friend Neil right. Greenberg pointed this out mm-hmm. in his article about what to do in Aaron Rodgers' absence, but even, even if Luck comes back and he's healthy and he looks a lot like the old uh, Andrew Luck, I mean, the, the Colts, like, w- just in weeks three, 13 through 16, which is the fantasy football, the end-of-season fantasy football playoffs, the Colts are at the Jaguars, at the Bills, g- they get the Broncos at home, then they're at the Ravens. I mean, the only team not in the top four and fewest fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks are the Broncos, and we all know, we know all about their pass defense. Yeah, so that porous, <laughs> porous pass defense. Yeah, that's kind of a murderer's row. I mean, I was a, I was a guy on last week's podcast who suggested maybe trading T.Y. Hilton, selling high on him if he had a good game against t- good game against the Titans. Unfortunately, he didn't. But you know, that was my logic with T.Y. Hilton was like maybe it's best to get out now before this murderer's row comes up. So that's another issue with luck, but. You know, it's it's worth throwing out there, but I do think even if you do trade for luck, you're going to need a guy this week. So maybe we should talk about some of those options. I'm going to throw out Brett Hundley and a little bit, uh, a little bit with an eye towards a longer term fix. I don't think I think we can throw out last week's game right. uh, as being representative of his ability, and the reason for that is uh, uh, the post uh, Mark Bullock sort of did a tape study of this. The Packers were still running the Aaron Rodgers offense. Now, why is that a problem? Because Aaron Rodgers is, is as rare of a talent as there in the is yep. in the NFL, and so expecting anyone to come in and run that game plan is sort of unfair. Uh, Against Mike, the Vikings' defense, too. Exactly. So I think you know uh, Mike McCarthy and the the Packers' uh, coaching staff they're going to need to sort of make things a little bit more simple uh, for Brett Hundley. But as, in terms of upside moving forward, you know he has as much as as any of the other uh, guys on the waiver wire right now. Certainly, lots of weapons there in Green Bay. Uh, Saints defense is improved. Uh, that's their matchup this week, but you know still some opportunity there. Uh, not exactly a shutdown unit. So I would I would look at Hundley. The other thing I would do is play the bye weeks a little bit this week. You know, maybe you get a situation where the lines are on by. Uh, maybe a fantasy owner drops Matthew Stafford if they've mm-hmm, got another maybe. quarterback and they're in need in other positions. And then next week there are six teams on by, uh, including the Titans, maybe Marcus Mariota. 
Uh, we mentioned Jared Goff, Carson Palmer of the Cardinals. So keep an eye on the bye weeks. You might be able to snap up a fantasy starter uh, from another owner who lets him go. Yeah, I, I think of the quarterbacks that are that we you would say are kind of out there, and, and you could use the definition of owned in less than fifty percent of ESPN leagues. Mm-hmm. So we're just just going by that standard. You know, the, the quarterback with the most ownership who's still under 50% is Eli Manning. And I don't think he's a great option for anybody. They're playing the Seahawks this week, the Giants are, and then they have a bye. So not, not looking good in the near future, not to mention his complete lack of, of receiving weapons. Although I think Sterling Shepard might be coming back, and Evan Engram seems to be stepping up to the plate. But the guy, I, I, we mentioned Tyrod Taylor. I do think if he's available on waiver wires, he might be the best move to make here. Because you, obviously if you pick up a guy on waivers, you're not trading, you're not sacrificing anything on your team. You know you're going to get the running ability with him. I think Jordan Matthews might play this week. Probably not, but he's coming back soon. I know that Charles Clay is out, probably out for at least a couple more weeks, and that was a big blow to them. Zay Jones has really been unimpressive. They just picked up Deontay Thompson, who was cut by the Bears. And you know, if, if the Bears don't think you're good enough to be a wide receiver for yeah, them, yeah, like, that's not a good sign. No, it's not a good sign. So I'm definitely not painting a rosy picture of the Bills' passing attack. But Tyra Taylor, again, just his running alone, it's going to be a ground-based attack. So he gives you a nice floor, you know, and maybe mm-hmm. can help you stay competitive. If you just get like 15, po- like okay, you're not getting the 30-point weeks like you were getting with with Aaron Rodgers. You may just have to accept that. And what you're saying with Andrew Luck is you might be able to get those out of him, and mm-hmm. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was just saying, if you're going to the waiver wire, I like Tyra Taylor the best. Andy Dalton is owned in less than 50% of leagues. He's, he obviously has a lot of weapons to choose from. He's at the Steelers. That's not a great matchup. Then he gets the Colts after that. That's a very nice matchup. Uh, Jared Goff gets the Cardinals this week, who haven't been stellar against the pass, actually, and then they're on bye. So you know, it's not, and as you said, like, if you're going to the waiver wire to get your starting quarterback, you know, you're not, you're not in a great position. But then again, a lot of, a lot of uh, fantasy players do stream quarterbacks, and they try, to make that, they try to make that play. And I think Neil, in his article, he took that route. He said, what if you were just to stream quarterbacks? And you basically, right. his, his premise is you just chase around the worst pass defenses in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And he, he highlighted the Raiders, they're 31st, the Bucks are 30th, the Patriots are, thir- are, are last place altogether. So he said, if, if you play Tyron Taylor for the next two weeks, against the Bucks and Raiders. Then you pick up Jay Cutler. He gets the Raiders. Then you pick up Trevor Simeon. He gets the Patriots. You go back to Cutler. You know, it's this right. mishmash. Yeah. You obviously, all those guys have to be available. You have to, you don't know what kind of fab you're spending. I think that. Cutler will be available. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cutler will definitely be available. Simeon should be available at this point. He's looked terrible. So, you know, but there is, there's a lot of merit to chasing around the worst defenses against certain positions. And you see it when you, when you stream defenses, you chase after the worst right. offenses. Right. So, it's sort of the reverse of that strategy, and I think there is, you know, there is some merit to that. It, it, it takes a lot of effort on your part. Yeah, here, here's my issue with streaming, and, and I, well, I think it's, a, it's not a bad strategy. I just think it's a little bit of fool's gold because they, it's always sold to you like, all right, look, if you took the uh, top 20 quarterbacks off the board and said they were drafted from week one, and then you looked from week one until now, you would have a, uh, a pool of candidates that you could pick from off waivers each week. Well, if you use the top-scoring player from that group, yeah. you have a quarterback that scored 174 combined points, which is 40 more than Deshaun Watson has scored to this point in the season. And Watson's been great. Right. So you would have the ultimate quarterback, essentially. <laughs> but that's 2020 hindsight. Right. The guys have to be available on waivers. Alex Smith was gone after week one. Right. Deshaun Watson was probably gone after, what, like week three? And that's assuming you had the best available quarterback every exactly. week. I mean, it's, it's an unrealistic scenario. Right. So those two guys accounted for, right. th- for four of those weeks, and then the other two were Trevor Simeon and Case Keenum, 
who is picking up either one of those guys to play that given week right. as a spot starter? Well, it just doesn't happen. Well, I think what Neil is suggesting is you look at the schedule coming up and you look at the who are the worst pass defenses, who's giving up the most fantasy points, and you try to pick up a low-end low, low end starter against those defenses. And, you know, it may work. It may get you through, the, through to the end of the season, but it's, you know, the, you'd probably rather have a more solid uh, solution in this case. And I would say just monitor your league, go through every roster, anybody who's got two viable fantasy quarterbacks – Mm-hmm. See what they need and try to put together a deal. To, uh, and if if you're you know if you're really strong at one position, as Des mentioned, it might be worth it to take a chance on a guy like Luck. But you might be able to find a fantasy starting quarterback who hasn't been lighting it up um, that might be available, and that can help save your season. Well, I, I have a name in mind for sure. How about Matt Ryan? I mean, his owners have to be getting pretty damn impatient with Matt Ryan. He's 25th among quarterbacks in fantasy points scored, albeit he's had a bye. A lot of other guys haven't. But we all, he's only scored over 15 points in one game, and that outing was under 18 points. The Falcons' offense has really underperformed. I think yeah. his owners have to be very uh, concerned about him. He just came off a stretch of against the Bills at home, a bye, and the Dolphins at home. I mean, the Bills are kind of a tough defense, but you would have thought playing at home, he might have been able to put up some points. He did very poorly there. So you might be able to get them at a bit of a discount. And I think, that you, you know, we talk about going up against bad defenses. The, uh, the Falcons get the Patriots this week. I mean, they're the elixir for whatever ails your quarterback. Absolutely. They, ha- they, they single-handedly turn around Cam Newton's career <laughs> Josh McCown year. was looking pretty good. I mean, exactly. 300 yards, man. 300, over 350 passing yards by Josh McCown. So, uh, you know, they're, and after, after, um, after the Patriots, the Jets are next for, for Ryan. And so, you know, they're not like that intimidating a defense either. Then in the fantasy playoffs, he gets the Saints, Buccaneers, and the Saints again. Now, the Saints, uh, I think as Jeff mentioned, have actually been a lot more, a lot yeah. tougher of an yeah. opponent than we would have expected, but still not, you know, top tier. So there, there's a potential trade target, is what I'm saying. Like, that's, that, that's, a, that's a good roll of the dice. You're taking a guy who, you know, we knew he probably wasn't going to be as great as he was last year. That seemed unsustainable. But he's probably better than he's shown this year. So right. I think we can expect some improvement there. You want to look for the buy low options. And I'd also keep an eye on anyone who owns Deshaun Watson. They didn't drop him, draft him to be their starting quarterback. So who did they draft to be their starter? Right. They might be more inclined. Maybe, uh, maybe the same goes for Alex Smith's owner. Uh, might be willing to part with Smith after a rough outing or... Uh, the other starters. So keep an eye on those. One other name that's sort of a scratch-off long-shot lottery ticket, Teddy Bridgewater. He might come back this season, and before his injury, he was lights out. The Vikings offense has been pretty good, particularly in the passing game. They got some weapons. He's not going to be your go-to guy. He, you can't just do Teddy Bridgewater going forward, but if you got room on your bench, probably worth a shot. Stock watch. Stock watch. And now... The moment we've all been waiting for. Well, I've been waiting for it. At least Dez has been waiting for it. The rest of the world, we'll, we'll find out. Dez, it's Stockwatch time. Your boy, Orleans Darkwa, way up. Oh, stock up on Orleans Darkwa. My guy, the guy I went to bat for. Love him. Love him so much. Don't actually have him on any team, so obviously I don't love him that much. <laughs> I did pick him up in one league a couple weeks ago, and then when he missed that game, the one that Wayne Gallman did okay in, I, I dropped him ahead of that game, So, and I haven't been able to get him back, so... You know, obviously, I haven't been taking my own advice, but the heck with that. I've been I've been going to bat for Olin Starkwa, and he came through at Denver. Twenty-one carries for 117 yards. This against a Broncos defense that had been far and away the best rush defense in the NFL. They held mm-hmm. Melvin Gordon, Ezekiel Elliott, LaShawn McCoy, and Marshawn Lynch to a combined 95 rushing yards. Combined. Oh. So you know, and it was also the four, and it wasn't just that game. It was the fourth time in five games that Darko has averaged at least four point seven yards per carry. So you know, we think about the Giants. Oh, you know, no one's been running the ball well for them. Well, he has, albeit prior to prior to Sunday in limited doses. I mean, he got a major dose and it paid off for them. Wayne Gallman was still 
still a factor. He had nine carries, but only turned him into 27 yards. And I would think that at this point, Arlen's Darkwa has solidified his place atop that depth chart. In fact, to any supporters left of Wayne Gallman, I would say, you've got a lot of gall, man. Oh, oh, come on. <laughs> You were, you were riding so high, and then uh, <laughs> yeah. you just blew it. So certainly, right. it, he, he was probably the highest priority pickup this week. I will say, be a little leery about starting him. Another very fierce defensive front this week against Seattle. Fourth fewest fantasy points allowed to running back. So just be a little cautious uh, if you picked him up this week. If you have other options, I, I'd look hard at uh, at starting those. Yeah, I agree with that. They get the Seahawks, which are who are really tough against the run, and then, the, and then a bye week. But then mm-hmm. the Rams and Niners after that. So better things ahead, I would think. Speaking of the uh, Giants' opponent, the blindsided Denver Broncos, the one guy that really did have a pretty good offensive and fantasy night, is that our next name on the list? Yes, Demarius Thomas, stock up. Partly, this is sort of a bad news situation for the Broncos because Emmanuel Sanders sprained his ankle in that game. He's out for Week 7 and possibly a few more weeks. That could be a high ankle sprain. I haven't seen the latest report on that. But even so, um, Thomas was leading. Denver in targets and yards, uh, and but he has yet to score a touchdown. So, you know, you got to figure those are coming. He had 14 targets, 10 catches, 103, 133 yards against the Giants. You know, he's going to get in the end zone more than a few times before the season's over. Um, as an aside, another guy whose stock is up as a result of the Sanders injury, Benny Fowler, kind of maybe a sneaky pickup, maybe a DFS guy. He only caught three of eight targets in that game, but he led the Broncos in snaps, and he's you know, he's had some nice moments uh, earlier this season. So out in Pittsburgh, Martavis Bryant has reportedly requested a trade, which means there could be some more targets coming from Juju Smith-Schuster. You just wanted to say his name. <laughs> <laughs> it is enjoyable. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Oh, Juju. He's, uh, yeah, he seems to have eclipsed Martavis Bryant in that passing attack. He's gotten more snaps on him the past couple weeks. I don't know. Bryant denied that he'd made a trade demand, but you know the report came from somewhere from a pretty credible source. So at least there was, there was also some like uh, social media chatter after the pick of Juju Smith-Schuster mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Martavis Bryant and some of the other oh, receivers right. were going back and forth. Right, I forgot about kinda, that. You're right. Yeah, he was uh, like there was a little about disgruntlement that. about yes. such a high draft pick being used on another receiver. That's a good point. Exactly. That there was right. Uh, so Smoosh, yes, yeah, Smoosh-Schuster. <laughs> Here we go. I knew I couldn't do it correctly every single time. Smith-Schuster was a second round pick. So you know, high valued player by the Steelers, 6'1", 215 pounds. You know, he's the youngest player in the NFL, actually. He doesn't turn 21 until Thanksgiving, so plenty of room for growth there. You know, he, he went just three for 32 last week, but the Steelers only threw the ball 25 times in that game. And basically, if he's going to be their wide receiver, too, uh, across from Antonio Brown, at least get the majority of those snaps, like, that's a guy who needs yeah. to be owned in fantasy leagues. For sure. And uh, clearly, the arrow's pointing down on Martavis Bryant in the meantime, also pointing down on a New England running back, which I have to be like the 18,000th fantasy football pundit to comment on a downward trend for a Patriots running back. Yeah, it tends to happen. Uh, this is Mike Gillisley in this case. You know, he, he's been pretty much a disappointment since week two. That was the last time he scored a touchdown this season. He doesn't have any receptions at all in the season, which is problematic in any sort of PPR format. And if he's not, So basically, if he's not getting in the end zone, he's nearly worthless. And then what we saw this past weekend was he fumbled near the end of the first quarter Whoops. and seemed to go straight into Bill Belichick's doghouse. Uh, Deion Lewis picked up a lot of carries at that point, and Deion Lewis got a, the precious goal line carry and, and converted that. So, you know, he doesn't, Lewis is a smaller guy and doesn't figure to be your classic goal line back. But then again, Rex Burkhead might be finally coming back from his rib injury as well. Yep. And Burkhead, at the start of the season, there's a lot of reason to think that he might be the Patriots running back with the most value. We'll have to obviously, it, it doesn't get any less murky in New England, but it sure seems like 
I don't know if Mike Gillisley is droppable just yet, but he sure as heck isn't startable. Yeah, I would not get him in my lineup at all. Yeah, Deion Lewis is, was a obviously a hot name on the waiver wire this week. Uh, if he truly is going to have a major role, now health is always the question with him, but he was sort of poised for a breakout season. I remember Tom Brady saying uh, before that last injury he had, uh, folk hero Deion Lewis, <laughs> he was about to become in Boston. He was, right. he was just tearing up practice. Uh, you know, sort of all the metrics, all the efficiency numbers, love him. He just has to stay on the field. But if he's sort of, especially if he's earning goal line carries, look out. He's a guy you want to have on your roster. Well, for every yin, there's a yang. And we saw that with the Bryant-Smith-Schuster comparison. Out in the desert, Adrian Peterson blows up, which means Andre Ellington is probably getting blown over, blown down. Uh, that, that didn't <laughs> yeah. go the way I wanted it to. Well, yeah, his fantasy prospects got took a huge gust in the wrong direction, that's for sure. He had one target, no touches against the Buccaneers. Peterson completely stole the show there, and that is obviously extremely worrisome. I mean, Ellington had turned himself into at least a flex player, especially in PPR leagues, maybe only in PPR formats, but that's our default on this podcast. He caught uh, nine passes I think in each of the previous two weeks and he really looked like their only option as far as a running back moving the ball for them Chris Johnson just wasn't getting it done uh, so now that they have Peterson if they're going to turn into a you know a, a kind of attack where they give Peterson the ball a lot and that's and they are moving the ball and I mean it remains to be seen how successful Peterson is going forward this could have been a little bit of a flash in the pan but you know right now Andre Ellington takes a huge hit his snaps dropped precipitously to uh, 13 in this past game. So obviously, if he's not getting on the field, then he doesn't have much shot at it. Now, you know, the only caveat is that the Cardinals were ahead the whole time in this game. If they're behind at all, presumably if they're in, in, their, if they're in catch-up mode, Ellington will get on the field. So maybe with him, you just sort of try to figure out, like, you maybe look at the Vegas odds for the game, you try to figure out, like, what the game flow is going to be. And I, I don't think we've heard the last of him is what I'm saying. In fact, he might be a buy low guy, you know, you could probably get him for a song at this point, and he might, you know, restore some of that value going forward. Well, there was a time when we thought Kobe Fleener was actually on the upswing, but now it looks like the roller coaster is back going downhill. It's yeah, he's he's got zero catches versus Detroit, just 16 targets on the season, three receptions in his past three games. You know, he scored touchdowns in his first two weeks to kind of prop up his value, but he's essentially been useless of late, and now he's not even getting on the field. You know, we saw the Saints run the ball a ton. Mark Ingram had a huge game. Speaking of you know, that mm-hmm. whole situation mm-hmm. with Adrian Peterson and then the blow-up spot. You know, if the Saints, you know, they may not lean heavily on the running game in every game, so I think Peterson might get on, this, on the field a little bit more, but it's clear that he's not a, a priority player in that offense. Fleener, you mean? Fleener, excuse yeah. me, yeah. Fleener is not a priority player in that offense. He just really hasn't been getting it done uh, statistically at all, so, I, you know, I don't, I don't see much reason to hold on to him, especially when there are just so many tight ends out there that probably are, are better dart throws. Well, and this week against the Packers, uh, Green Bay has allowed the third-fewest fantasy points to opposing tight ends, maybe a good Ted Ginn Jr. week. He obviously had a had a strong week last week, but uh, I think there's still some vulnerability in the Packers secondary out on the perimeter. Certainly seems there's, like there's a better way to use that roster spot on your bench. Let's find out a couple of good options there. Value pick. So last year's number one overall draft pick, Jared Goff, was a little bit of a disappointment in his rookie year, but seems like Sean McVay is really starting to figure him out. He's got the Rams offense cracking. Is that why you're into Jared Goff this week? I'm very into uh, Jared Goff this week, in part because I think he is available uh, for a lot of players looking uh, uh, looking to stream uh, at quarterback this week. Now, he's had two very rough outings in a row. 
uh, including last week against. Uh, he's had to play. He just play the Seahawks' pass defense two weeks ago, uh, and then the Jags' pass defense last week. That's about as bad as a, a one-two combo uh, uh, as you can get. But he gets the Cardinals this week. Uh, now, outside of Patrick Peterson, that secondary has really struggled. So I think there's a lot of opportunity. As far as streamer candidates go, uh, he's the best one. Maybe even he's a guy you might look to trade uh, if he's the backup quarterback for an opponent. Uh, but I think he, he can certainly bounce back. Uh, this week, Cardinals have allowed the fifth most fantasy points to opposing QBs, including 13 passing touchdowns. So I like Goff this week. And, and Patrick Peterson, I think, might be a little banged up, which yep. may finally put Sammy Watkins back on the map. Probably not, because yeah. I think we've all given up on Watkins. But, boy, it would be nice to see him do something in a game again. Tight end is always a tough position to project, but I think, Des, you have a, a target in mind this week that could see the end zone if trends hold. Yeah, I mean, Delaney Walker, I think, has been a bit of a disappointment to his owners. I, I know that I'm not throwing out the, uh, the most obscure name for my value pick this week after scoffing at you both for uh, throwing out what I thought were pretty obvious names last week. And then huh. I, I provided to our listeners Ricardo Lewis, which didn't work out <laughs> super well. So maybe, maybe I'm dialing it back and going a little more conservative. But honestly, if, if you're an owner of Delaney Walker, you know what I'm talking about. He's not been good this season. He has yet to score a receiving touchdown. His one touchdown came in week two on a, on a, on a carry from the goal line. I don't think we're going to see that a lot. In, yeah, untraditional. Yeah, well, especially given the Titans' backfield. I don't think they're going to rely on Delaney Walker to be their goal line back. Um, and he's only gone over 31 yards once since week two, and that was a 51-yard effort. In his past two weeks, he has seven catches for 42 yards combined. So all of it is just prelude to say you're probably down on him if, yep. if you've been putting Delaney Walker out there. But this week, he gets the Browns, who have been good for a lot of tight ends. In fact, they're second in fantasy points allowed to tight ends. And they made the likes of Jesse James. I think he scored two touchdowns on them. Uh, Tyler Croft. I, was, I struggled for a second to remember his name. Hall of Famer Tyler Croft. Yeah, right? that guy. Exactly. He scored two touchdowns on them. You know, they, they've been ravaged by tight ends. So I think this is a good spot for Delaney Walker. If you've been kind of down on him, get him back out there. Uh, you know, and I also wanted to point out that, like, if he doesn't get it done here, maybe you think about moving him. Yeah, I mean, it's coming close to pull-the-plug time, especially with Mariota back. It, you know, before, you could pawn it off on Castle a little bit. Sure. Now it seems like it's time to perform. I love it. Number four in ESPN Fantasy tight end <laughs> rankings this week. <laughs> Value pick. <laughs> All right, Jeff. All right. Well, uh, my guy's probably not a uh, total no-name. Danny Amendola is taking on the Falcons. Look, Atlanta has given up the fourth most points to slot receivers this year. That's per ESPN's Mike Clay. He's going to get the targets, we know, because it's Tom Brady and it's a Patriots slot receiver. And I think this is going to be a total shootout on Sunday night. Atlanta's offense needs to get going. The Patriots' defense is bad. The Falcons' defense is okay. It's not great. I think this could be a fireworks show, and I think Amendola is going to be seeing a lot of targets. He's my value pick for this week. I agree that it's going to be a high-scoring game, and especially the the strength of the Falcons' secondary uh, I think is on is on the perimeter, so it might be tougher for a Brandon Cooks, whereas an Amendola uh, certainly those were the guys who had the most success in the Super Bowl comeback is the the backs and the slot receivers. Yeah, I mean the biggest question with Amendola, especially with Edelman out for the season, is just can he get on the field and stay on the field? Right. If he can, stay, if he doesn't get dinged up, you know he's definitely one of of Tom Brady's favorite targets. And like everything with the Patriots, it's it's usually all about the matchups. I think the matchups favor uh, him and and also the backs. I think Deion Lewis is a start this week. Uh, so I, I or do an think ad if he, he's on, he could be on the waiver wire. That's true, uh, but yeah, no, I, I I agree with that one. Buyer beware. 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 
All right, so buyer beware this week, Des. You're looking across the pond. Yeah, you know, if uh, if my pick of Delaney Walker was a little too conservative for some people's liking, how about Todd Gurley as a buyer beware, huh? The no- second, the number two running back in fantasy scoring, I am not too high on him. I think he might be a sell-high candidate. You know, we saw him uh, rush for just 43 yards on 14 carries two weeks ago against the Seahawks. Then he kind of rebounded against the Jaguars. Well, what's the difference between the two? The Seahawks are really tough against the run. The Jaguars are not at all tough against the run. The other thing, though, we've seen from Todd Gurley is his receiving kind of fall off. You know, he's only had one catch for four yards against the Jaguars. It was similar the previous week before. He had two for seven, and that was one of the things that right, was really right. keeping, not you know, making him like one of the top backs. So, you know, that, that's something to look at. The other thing to look at is over the next five weeks, the, uh, the Rams play the Cardinals, who are allowing the seventh fewest fantasy points to running backs. Then they have a bye. Then they have the Giants, who are so-so, 14th uh, in, in that stat. Then they get the Texans, who, are, who allow the third fewest points to running backs. Then they get the Vikings, who allow the second fewest points to running backs. Then a bit of a reprieve with the Saints. Then they get the Cardinals again, Eagles, who are sixth. Seahawks again, Titans, who are like 13th. So anyway, it's a tough schedule the rest of the way, is what yeah. I'm saying. And early, you know, some of his early season results came against teams that weren't so great against running backs like the 49ers and, and even the Redskins at that, at that point. So I, what I'm saying is, yeah, maybe a sell high here. Like, I, I don't know that Todd Gurley is going to continue this pace. Like I said, he's, he's currently the number two running back in fantasy, so he has a ton of value. I'm sure he could get quite a bit for him. Yeah, it's interesting. I've got, I own Todd Gurley in a league in which I also own Beckham, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, and I am looking at a possible Todd Gurley trade just to try to get some help back at the at the wide receiver position. I also have Emmanuel Emmanuel Sanders in that league, <laughs> so it's it's pretty uh, pretty right. rough going right now. But uh, that is it is a great point. Tough schedule coming up, and ahead of the bye week, if you can move him, I certainly see the value there. But you're starting Todd Gurley this week if you own him. Yeah, that that being said, the game is in London, so it always ends up a little bit wacky. We saw the Saints game. I mean, that's I mean now we know their defense is a little bit better. But uh, something to watch out for there is those games always end up seeming to be low-scoring affairs. Weird London rules apply. Yeah, or and then the Jags like stomp the heck out of the Ravens, right? That yeah. seemed like an odd result at the time, although maybe not in retrospect. Exactly, exactly. All right, moving on. Jeff, who you, who's got you scared? Who's got me scared? Uh, I, I've got a few options here. I'm going to go with uh, Javorius Allen and Alex Collins, the two Ravens running backs against the Vikings. Now, Minnesota this year has allowed the second-fewest fantasy points to running backs, and they're particularly good uh, at at limiting in the receiving game, which is sort of Allen's specialty, just 151 total receiving yards and one touchdown uh, allowed through the air so far for Minnesota. So I would be leery about uh, starting either of those guys against Minnesota. A couple other not-ideal matchups, Keenan Allen going up against the Broncos secondary. Uh, I'd be a little bit nervous there, and Roger Lewis, uh, of the Giants, who pr- typically plays on the right side of the field, uh, that means he's facing Richard Sherman, uh, the left corner of the Seahawks this week. Also, uh, he's Roger Lewis. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> All right, so uh, Dez had Demarius Thomas as a stock-up player this week. I actually beg to differ on a one-week basis, and that reason being Casey Hayward. He is one of the better shutdown corners in the NFL. He will be shadowing Demarius Thomas all over the field. It looks like a really good matchup on the surface level because the Chargers give up the ninth most fantasy points to wide receivers overall, but that does not really apply to whoever Casey Hayward's locking down. I'm steering clear of Demarius Thomas in my daily leagues this week. Yeah, it's it's possible that Hayward shuts him down. I just think the Broncos are who else are they going to throw to if Sanders is out? You know, we talked about Benny Fowler stepping in. I mean, the whole thing with the Broncos has always been such a shallow 
grouping of receiver there and, and Sanders and Thomas having you know such strong floors for that reason like they were always going to be heavily involved in that passing attack so you know if I'm the Broncos I try to find, I move shift them around I don't know I try to find a way to get him the ball because he's by far their best offensive weapon in this game could be a good game for CJ Anderson and Jamal Charles maybe even some Devontae Booker as well so running backs could be the order of the day against the Chargers what to watch for All right, into the horizon we peer. Jeff, what are you watching for this weekend? I'm watching uh, the Green Bay Packers at home against a resurgent Saints defense, not uh, not the laughing stock it once was. Marshawn Lattimore, the rookie corner, has been great. Yeah, he's uh, been really just, impressive. And, and just general improvement by that entire unit. I want to see how, uh, with a full week of game planning and a full week of prep work uh, for Brett Hundley, uh, not only am I interested in Hundley's uh, fantasy prospects, just what does this mean for uh, for the rest of the offensive weapons there for Green Bay? I'm relatively optimistic. This is you know Hunley's a guy who was really talented uh, at UCLA. He's had time to mature and learn behind Aaron Rodgers, uh, and there's just a lot of weapons there. So I think you know even though the Saints defense is better, it's not a total shutdown unit by any means. Uh, playing at home, I actually like Hunley as a as a flyer this week. If you have to, if you're really desperate, if you're an Aaron Rodgers owner or, mm-hmm. or your your starters on a buy. I like him, and I just want to see what sort of the long-term uh, outlook for him and the rest of the Green Bay playmakers. Yeah, it, it'll be fascinating to see how Hundley performs, at, you know, period. And sort of, yeah, who does he like to throw to? What kind of routes does he like to throw? I mean, we can't, you know, Aaron Rodgers could always threaten defenses deep. He was extraordinarily accurate. He was really good on the move. He was good in every area. He was know, Aaron Rodgers. It's just one of these situations where you can basically you can basically assume that Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams don't have the value they did a week ago. You know, sure. if, if Nelson was wide receiver one, now he's a wide receiver two, and so forth. But you know, it may be a situation where some some players emerge. Maybe Martellus Bennett has a bit more of a rapport because he's done right. relatively little with Aaron Rodgers. Maybe he comes out. He hasn't scored a touchdown yet. Maybe it's good for Randall Cobb. Who knows? I, I tend to think it's it, Randall Cobb is probably off the map. And then of course maybe they go to more of a, a, a run based attack. And does Aaron Jones become the lead back there? What happens to Ty Montgomery? So yeah, quite a bit to look look forward to there. Yeah, the backfield's where I'm going to be paying attention as a Ty Montgomery owner. I think if he's going to get his alpha dog status back, he's got to do it this week. If it's more of a 50-50 split and you're, you're a Montgomery owner, you're in trouble going forward. All right, Des, week six saw a new quarterback takeover for the San Francisco 49ers. They got the Cowboys this week. Yeah, and as usual, the 49ers can't catch a break, as it looks like Ezekiel Elliott will play in that game. You know, they're already, San Francisco, already the first team in NFL history to lose five straight by three or fewer. So that's something to watch for. Can they lose yet another close game? Uh, But as you mentioned, C.J. Beathard took over for Ryan Hoyard. I think Beathard will get the start this week. You know, so that's always of interest. What does he look like? Who does he like to throw to? We just talked about that with Brett Hundley. You know, uh, owners of Pierre Garçon are certainly going to want to see C.J. Beathard make as much of a point of dialing him up in their offense as Hoyer did. Uh, George Kittle has kind of emerged of late as, as sort of a low-end tight end of interest. And then, of course, beyond Beathard, we have the backfield battle of Carlos Hyde versus Matt Breida. I mean, just a week ago, I was saying stock down on, on Hyde. It looked yeah. like Matt Breida was making a move. And then last last weekend, we just saw the opposite take place. Uh, Breida didn't get a lot of touches. So what's happening there? If you're a Hyde owner, you certainly have a lot of interest in, in that outcome. And I think a lot of people picked up Breida in leagues on thinking like he might— you know, maybe the 49ers will trade Carlos Hyde. Who knows? And, and he might be on. on I'd the heard that there. rumor myself, actually, yes. Yeah. So, you know, maybe so maybe they were showcasing Hyde, you know, and we'll see something else. But in the meantime, yeah. So there, you know, definitely some some interesting battles take place there, some situations where there's a lot of uncertainty. So we need to see how, how it shakes out. This isn't such a fantasy note uh, so much as if you want to go back and read uh, Peter King 
he, he was behind the scenes with the 49ers draft room last year, and there was all this weird symmetry and, and history that uh, King had sort of pitched uh, GM John Lynch on in order to do the story. Uh, but basically, C.J. Beathard being drafted in the third round, same round as Joe Montana, mm. uh, all this all this weird. He was not Montana-like in that uh, final drive against the Redskins. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't get the job done there. Mm-hmm. Uh, may have had a bad uh, offensive pass interference call go against mm-hmm. him, but still might want to check that out uh, if you're looking to, to sell, <laughs> to buy low on C.J. Beathard. He's available. Uh, get on the, tra- get on the train now. Well, the, and there was, I mean, but you talk about echoes of the past. I mean, C.J. Beathard getting on the field against the Redskins, making his debut against the team that obviously Eerie. is. Yeah, exactly. C.J. Beathard can be had for a song, but if he's better than Hoyer, I mean, Hoyer at times was somewhat useful in fantasy. We talked about streaming quarterbacks. If Beathard somehow can blossom quickly, uh, you know, he could be another streamer. And you do tend with rookie quarterbacks, you get a little bit of that running value Typically, they're quicker to take off and run. Beathard's not known for his legs, but there might be some of that hidden value in there, too. Well, I'm jealous of both of you because it sounds like you're actually going to be watching football. I'm going to be watching Law & Order Dallas Cowboys Backfield Edition. Ezekiel Elliott's court case is still going, and it's not going to stop. I don't think it ends this season. So the latest development gives him a temporary restraining order, which will keep him on the field at least until the New York judge rules on his case. That could happen before or after October 30th. That's when the temporary restraining order expires. So if you want to keep rolling, playing this out, he might not be suspended this season. It could be just a situation where they kick the can down the field, or it could all be over tomorrow. If the NFL appeals... And this is the same court system that said Tom Brady would be suspended on appeal. Then it's likely he will be suspended. The question is going to be when that happens. And that's going to be the question that's vexing fantasy owners for the rest of the year. So what do you do with Elliot right now? I, I thought he had at least two weeks. Am I wrong about that? I, I thought no, he, unless the judge presiding over his case issues her verdict before the 30th, which oh, that geez. can come at any time. Right. Okay. It's, it's a mess. And, you know, for, for, for owners of Ezekiel Elliott, if it plays out where, let's say he does play two more weeks, and then he gets that six-game suspension, and that starts in week nine, mm-hmm. you know, that p- puts him out for the, fantasy, for the rest of the season, right. basically, for the fantasy season. So all of a sudden you have the worst of both worlds for people who own him, at least when it looked like he was going to start the season on the suspension. You know, his, a lot of his remaining value came from the fact that, like, okay, he'll be back in the field, he'll be fresh, right. and you'll get him the rest of the way. So now this, this would be a nightmare scenario if, if that comes to pass. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a weird, weird, weird situation. I have him in a keeper league, so, I mean, I'm riding him out no matter what. But if you got him in a single-season redraft league, I'm taking calls. I, I, if you're in the, a position to win a title this year and you can get a good return on Ezekiel Elliott, I'd probably pull the trigger and let somebody else take the risk. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. All right, well, that'll do it for us for this week. Hey, when you guys go on to iTunes, please leave us a review. We're really looking for some feedback on the show. We want to make it better. We want to make it as good as it can be for you all. Please let us know how we're doing. Leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Remember to subscribe while you're there. Check out all of our fantasy football content on thewashingtonpost.com and give us a shout on Twitter. I'm at Mike Impost. I'm at Des Beeler. I'm at Jeff Dooley underscore. Thanks for listening. See ya. See ya.